When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to No Filler, the music podcast dedicated to sharing the often overlooked hidden gems that fill the space between the singles on our favorite records. My name is Travis. I got my brother Quentin with me, as always. And we are done with our John Hughes Tunes batch of episodes where we went uh, through the through the 80s with, with John Hughes' cue. We talked about all the music from his iconic films, um, and by all I mean four. We picked four. We did <laughs> Sixteen Candles. We did what else? Would we do <laughs> Weird Science. We did Weird we, Science. Well, like in my mind, I'm like Breakfast Club, but no, we didn't do Breakfast Club. We did Sixteen Candles, Weird Science, Pretty in Pink. I got you, brother. <laughs> and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I've slept <laughs> since then. So yeah, we did those four um, films. And uh, yeah, it's, it was just a great way to um, to just play a bunch of random '80s, um, mostly you know new wave and post punk bands because that seemed to be uh, his jam, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, what we learned most about John Hughes was that this guy was obsessed with music, which is why it was such an integral part of the stories that he was telling. And like we said last week, like with Sixteen Candles, um, like it was like the backbone of the film you know like they went to live shows or by live i mean they, there was a bar with live music in the background that the characters would be at she worked at a record store the scene with ducky lip-syncing to otis redding music you know what i mean and then you jump to the next film ferris bueller's day off and you got the whole parade scene with twist and shout you know what i mean so like it was part of who he was and what made his movie so amazing right so yeah, it was a great way to cover a lot of obscure, mostly new wave, 80s stuff. I mean, we must have played like, I don't know, 24, 25 songs yeah. total yeah. in the last Not month. as many artists, because we usually did about a two, song yeah. per, two songs per artist. But yeah, 
definitely. Um, it was fun. But as we as we teased last week, we are back to our normal format. And by normal, I mean there is no theme for the next for, for the foreseeable future. Yeah. So by normal, what you what you mean is when people listen to our little intro that we we say at the beginning of every episode, it's finally going to make sense again. That's you know true. Because I mean? uh, well, yeah. I mean, basically, we've we've had a few kind of back to back themed batches of of pods. Like we did back to school was a batch of episodes we did where we talked about bands that we listened to in like middle school and high school, and then we did dad tunes, which was music that we heard uh from our dad when we were growing up and then we did Hughes tunes which is what we just talked about so now we are back to the more the more normal no filler formula which is just pick an album any album basically talk about some non-singles on that record and then do a sidetrack episode the following week that is somehow related to the full-length episode that we just did usually it's a shorter episode um, you know, a lot of times it'll be like a side project of that band or something like that. And that's usually a shorter episode. That's like one, one track, you know? So anyway, we're back. I'm excited. I'm excited man. to be back. Um, because we can go anywhere and talk about any band and any album, which is great. The sky's the limit, friend. The sky's the limit. So what we decided to do, which is actually a first, I think for no filler is talk about a new record, a brand new record. As in, came out, what, like not even a month ago, right? Yeah, it came out September 22nd, dude. So on on the the morning of the autumnal equinox. There you go. So we're talking about our one of our favorite bands, Fleet Foxes, and their brand new record, Shore. As Q just said, came out not even a month ago. So um, yeah, this is just one of those things that seem to have come out of nowhere and it was such a like a surprise and like a pick me up you know for for this year the the best way to describe it is it's just a, a breath of fresh air dude like yeah. it's just when you, like when you listen to it it envelops you um and yeah dude there is something about fleet foxes that for me just go hand in hand with fall yeah um yes yeah, you know it's it's the it's the folky yeah genre you know and they definitely like took that i mean they they, i feel like they were part of the reason why we have mumford and sons i feel like they're partly to blame for that (laughs) because they were so yeah uh successful in their early o's yes this was like you kind of hinted at there there were so many bands like this there were a dime a dozen back in the early 2000s or maybe it was the late you know early 2010s where this kind of folky folk pop stuff was everywhere and fleet foxes has always stood out to me Mainly because of Robin Pecknell, the lead singer. Just yeah. his songwriting ability, the way that he really bears his soul in these lyrics, you know? And mm-hmm. he's a very vulnerable person. And, like, he talks about things that are very relevant to our generation, which is why I've always connected with his lyrics. If you want to go back and listen to, after this episode, you should go back and listen to our our episode on helplessness blues Man, that wasn't that was a long time ago. Let me see if I can find the date that that came out. But yeah, you'll have to scroll pretty pretty far back in our feed to find it. But we we talked about their second record, um, and that was a great episode. Yeah, and that that was historically my favorite Fleet Foxes album. Um, 
but Shore is already quickly becoming my favorite of theirs, man. Yeah, it's good. There's just something different about it. This episode that we did on Helplessness Blues came out in August of 2018, so over two years ago, Q, is when we talked about this record. Not this record, sorry. Helplessness Blues. Anyway, um, yeah, so here's the thing about Fleet Foxes, right? They had sort of a hiatus, right? So they came out with Helplessness Blues in 2011, and then there was this this moment, this um, this hiatus where Robin kind of seemed like he was going back to school or something like that. He was trying to get his degree. Yep, he went back to college, and then they released Crack Up uh, six years later. Well, we we should also mention that during that during that hiatus, the drummer Tillman, as in um, Josh Tillman. He went off and became Father John Misty. That's right. So if you're familiar with Father John Misty, he was the drummer for Fleet Foxes. And um, yeah, so, and then you, like you said, Crack Up came out in, in uh, 2016, 2017. So I want to talk to you a little bit about Crack Up, Trev. So that is a really like, I don't know, it's, it's a really complex album. And it's kind of avant-garde, and it's really, I mean, almost like pre- pretentious. I don't know. I feel like a lot of people probably lost it at Crack Hub. And, like, all the articles around it, like, he couldn't escape words like, ooh, Ivy League pedigree, and, oh, you know, Pecknold went off to college, and now he comes out and releases this artsy-fartsy album. Well, I mean, depending on, like, who you are, you probably think that Flute Foxes have always been artsy-fartsy, you know? Yeah. But like there are moments on Crack Up that are really special, you know. Oh yeah, definitely. You have to l- listen to the whole thing to appreciate it, but they're I mean, w- when they came out with the single, the first single, 3rd of May, mm-hmm. I I love that song, man. That, that Oh, me too. There there are things that happen in that song that that um you know, the first time you hear it, they kind of take you by surprise, you know. Yeah. The way that they come back into the verse and stuff like that, and there's stuff like that throughout the the whole record, um, and there are songs. There's, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but there are you have to maybe you have to look a little bit harder to find the greatness in it, you know, compared to Helplessness Blues, which is like a masterpiece, right? Oh yeah, yeah, and and yeah, it seems like so you know with with negative reviews from Crack Up and with Pecknell being such a perfectionist. You know, it's nice that he came back with Shore and it's just, it just feels like it's more collaborative, you know, it feels like he's, he's evolving that indie folk sound, but it's still very much Fleet Foxes, but there's like elements of, of, I mean, there's, there's a female vocal artist that shows up on here. There's like these uh, choral pieces in a few of the songs I feel like there's way more... Uh, there's a lot of textures in it. Wind instruments. Yeah. Really, really pretty album. When you go back and listen to their their EP, their Sun Giant EP that came out in 2008, like, I still love a lot of that stuff. But when you listen to stuff on shore, it really is crazy how, how much they have evolved, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it really kind of it's like growing up with Pecknold kind of thing where you kind of Pecknold's ability his his songwriting his style like it's matured and whatnot it's still the same but like it has evolved to 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 such a like you said more like textured and like sophisticated 
kind of sound, you know. And another thing I really like noticed about it that I really loved, um, and we'll stop talking in like a second. Let's, you know, I want to jump right into a song really pretty soon here. Yeah. But I liked that most of the songs were three, four minutes long. They were really short. That's true. Um, Dude, uh, that's so a good point. I guess a lot more poppy in a way. That's a good you know, point. Pop, song, pop songs are a little, usually a lot more shorter. Helplessness Blues has an eight minute track on it. Um, and Crack Up has like a 15 minute exactly. track on it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good point, Q. It's very digestible. But it's still, you got like, there's 15 songs on here. It's a good record, a good solid length record. Length, is that a word? Lengthed. It is now, dude. Length, uh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, dude. one thing before we, we jump into our first pick, I want a couple things that I read that I thought was really, really cool. So, for one, you know, there was headlines that said like things along the lines of like the, the surprise album or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. Apparently, uh, Pecknell still has a few semesters to go to complete his degree. But uh, Columbia Uni- University canceled their in-person classes, but maintained the $30,000 per semester tu- tuition. So basically, Robin was just like, I don't I don't want to pay all this money to go to Zoom college, is what he said. Like, yeah. you know, to have college through Zoom, I'm not paying $30, $30,000 a semester for that. Sure. So he had all, and, and then, you know, they, they weren't touring either. So they, they, he was able to, to, to continue on with recording and, and release this album because yeah, no touring, no school. Um, so they, he kind of got to decide how he wanted to release it. And, um, yeah, so he picked, he picked, uh, just a surprise drop on the autumnal equinox, September 22nd. Yeah, so this is another example of a piece of art that, well, it's not that it wouldn't exist, but we wouldn't have it right now if it wasn't for COVID. Well, his plan was to to kind of tease out some singles throughout the summer, and then and then still release it in September. But it was it would have been a totally different approach. Hmm. So we would have we would have heard songs, uh, you know, spaced out. I don't think it would have felt so special if they went that route. You know, it did make it special because like, like you said, this record is so, uh, such a breath of fresh air that like having it, uh, this year is, uh, is what made it even more special, you know? Yeah. And it, it's an, it's an album that needs to be appreciated. Experienced. As a whole. Yeah. yeah. So if think about if we, if you would have heard a single six months ago, five months ago, you know, it, it would have been totally different. Yep. I agree with you 100%, dude. All right, let's jump into some tunes here, Q. So we're only going to play two tracks. Yeah, we don't we don't want to spoil the record too yeah, much, you know? Yeah. We, we want you to listen to it uh, on your own time. Yeah, so, all right, Q. Our first track, if I'm not mistaken. And, of course, we had to pick one that's hard to pronounce, Q. <laughs> uh, I May Stranza. Let me see if Let me see if Google can help me here. Is this even a word, dude? It's not even a. It's not even a word. See, man, him and his Ivy League pedigree, you know. No, this is a word. Um, it's just uh, Maestranza. May. Maestranza. May. It's got to be May. Does he say it in the in the in the song? Let's let's see if we can hear him. Let's say find it. out. But yeah, let's I think it's a. It's it's not a English word. It is a Spanish word. Let me see if I can get them to. Let me see if I can get Forvo.com to spell it out for me here. Ooh, nice. Ooh, that sounds nice. Maestranza. There you go, Q. Ooh. You like that? All right, so this is Maestranza. Wow. 
So there it is, man. His his vocals just get me every time. Especially the way that he starts this song. It starts with a very strong like vocal um, entrance, right? Which is great. Um, yeah, and and you know, like I don't I don't know the lyrics off the top of my head, but the thing that always like confuses me is is how harsh he is on himself with his lyrics and how critical he is. I mean, it makes sense, you know, it's the, the stereotype, you know, that all artists are like their worst, their own worst enemy, you know? Yeah. But what I read here is that uh, around the end of February, he had the majority of this album conceptualized and he already had the uh, contributions from other artists that are featured on this album recorded, but he was nowhere near ready. Like he, he wasn't happy with the lyrics that he had in mind for these songs. So he would write all these lyrics and just discard them. So then he quarantines in his Greenwich Village apartment. Of course he lives in Greenwich Village, man. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, after the stay-at-home order. That's where he belongs, man. Yeah. It says here that he participated in the protests, the George Floyd protests in New York City. Uh, So he had like all this, this just free time that he he wouldn't have had if, if the quarantines didn't happen and then he it says here in june he began taking day-long drives in his toyota forerunner from his apartment in new york up to lake minnewaska uh, and the catskill mountains and he would write lyrics like pin them down on paper while he was driving up to the mountains that's where the the majority of the songs, the fifteen songs, came from, dude. Was was these day long drives up into the mountains? If that, dude, how Fleet Foxes is that, man? You know, like how on brand is that with Pecknold, and like you know, just the overall vibes that you get when you listen to a Fleet Foxes album. You know, I love it. Everything you just said about him is like, of course, that's what that's how he lives. You know, this one of the studios that he that this. Uh, is recorded in Electric Lady Studios is in Greenwich Village. So um, that's cool. He's, you know, in the same village as the studio. So I, I read here, uh, there's some lyric breakdowns from um, Robin that uh, that I found on Apple Music. And he said that um, musically, I think for a while, it had something in it that had a disco or roller skating kind of energy that I was trying to find a way out of. And then we found this other palette of instruments that felt less that way. I was trying to go for a Bill Withersy thing. Nice. I feel like a lot of the people that get mentioned in Sunblind, yes, their resonance is there, influencing throughout the record. Yeah, Sunblind's really cool, dude, because he is naming off all of his musical heroes. Okay. Uh, he names mostly mostly by their last name, but he does he name Withers? Yeah, he he names. Uh, Richard Swift, Bill Withers, John Prine, Elliot Smith, Arthur Russell, Judy Sill, David Berman, Nick Drake, Otis Redding, Jeff Buckley, Curtis Mayfield, and Jimi Hendrix. Nice. All those names are in the song. That's dude. great. I like how Nick Drake makes an appearance. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. And Arthur Russell, dude. We covered we covered Arthur Russell in like I think that was one of my Whatcha Hurts like in I don't know, the first or second episode. Well, we no did an episode like. on Nick Drake too. We had a, a our uh, our friend um our friend Larry Lodra joined us. That was a great episode. So you got lots of homework here, people. Go back and listen to all of these great episodes that we've done. 
in the fucking two plus years we've been doing this. Yeah. So anyway, so that's that's another thing that I love about this album. It is, it, it is very collaborative as well. Yeah. Um, the intro song that we picked was um, the only single so far released, uh, and that is "Can I Believe You," and you know that kind of chorus at the beginning. Yeah. That is actually a composite of roughly four to 500 recordings from Instagram followers. Amazing. So that's a chorus of Fleet Foxes fans. Oh my God. That's so great. I, I didn't know that. And that makes me so fucking happy. That is amazing. I know, man. And that's the kind of stuff that you, that sure you can do it without, without um, the pandemic happening. But I, I feel like that makes it even more special. We're all kind of, you know, not, not fully, you know, barred into our homes. Like people, plenty of people are, living the best life that they can leaving and stuff like that, but being, being safe. Right. Yeah. But for the most part, we are in indoors in our homes and it's how cool is that, that, that for those people that got to do that, that they were able to contribute to a fleet foxes track from their homes. I mean, that's amazing. You know, that's kind of like the, the collective mindset that we've all had in the, over the last seven months is just finding ways to still be able to connect, you know, and it's just, awesome they were able to do that online well he talks about that here let me just we'll just wrap wrap up our our review of the song here with this he says here the third verse it's about missing your friends missing your people but knowing that since we're all going through the same thing that we're kind of connected through that in a way that's really special and kind of unique to this period i feel more distant from people but also closer in terms of my actual daily experience so there you go. That is kind of one thing that's really interesting about this pandemic is that globally there's an experience that we're all sharing, right? Right. And I guess that's kind of what he's talking about here. And another thing too, like, you know, when I was reading like, oh wait, he had the majority of the, the concept of this album done back in February. I was trying to, you know, figure it out because I'm like, man, these lyrics sound so like topical. But yeah, so then then it makes more sense like okay so he actually wrote all of this in the span of 3 to 4 weeks in June of you know so all this it was right in the thick of all this if it wasn't for covid-19 we wouldn't have this album the way it is yeah we wouldn't have the lyrics yeah you're right it wouldn't be the same at all interesting he, dude and he may have trashed it entirely yeah think about the entire shift in mindset and like everything that happened dude we we might not he may, he may have trashed it completely yeah man well Let's let's do another song here, Q. Yes. But before we do that, let's take a quick break. Now this one, we both agreed. Upon first listen, upon man. Upon first listen, as twins often do, we agreed on what our favorite track was. Oh, this is dude, hands down, my favorite on the record. Yeah. And this song this song, um, is an example of the type of song that only Robin Pecknold and Fleet Foxes can produce, I feel like. This is a quintessential Fleet Foxes sound and like feeling, right? And like uh, goosebump inducing. Yeah, and the lyrics as well, man. He's always been, you know, uh, emotions down on paper, vulnerable, you know, staring death in the face kind of poet. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's always, he's, Always existential about that, and this, this, uh, the lyrics in this song just really get me, dude. Yeah, definitely. And this is t- 
two songs in a, in a way. Yeah, and this is something that we, I mean, our favorite, it's probably your favorite too, but my my favorite song on Helplessness Blues, we actually played it on that episode, is The Shrine slash An Argument, yeah. which is also, you know, two. They, they do that all the time. I mean, this is kind of something, Yeah, it you know, Crack Up, same thing. There's a couple of tracks that do that. Um, yeah. He has these movements in his songs, right? So this is an example of that. So this song is called Quiet Air slash Gioia. Am I saying that <laughs> you right? You picked the two. That sounded great, man. You like that? Um, but yeah, so we're going to split this up into two clips, but here we go. I love the, um, just the, almost like a march, I don't know, it just kind of rum, like rumbles ahead. So there's two different drummers uh, credited on this track, which is interesting. Joshua Yeager and Christopher Bear, both are credited as drum kit and percussion for this track. So lots of, lots of drums going on, lots of percussion. Um, but I'm trying to find the guitar player, because uh, I love that guitar uh, little transition between the chorus and the verse maybe it's pecknell maybe but yeah it's it's kind of hard to to me to get a full um personnel list on this record but there's quite a bit listed out 
for a lot of different tracks on the Wikipedia page, at least. Yeah. But um, it's possible that Robin Robin did everything that's not explicitly listed. So yeah, that's what uh, I was thinking. Yeah, that's possible. But yeah, you know what's great about that guitar? It kind of reminded me of their very first EP. Like I'm talking before Sun Giant. You remember some of that stuff? Oh yeah. Um, yeah, I forgot what was the name of that. In the album. Hot Hot Rays. Remember that song? Yeah, dude. Where it was more, a little bit more of that kind of um, Brit pop kind of guitar jangly kind of stuff. You yeah. Know? A little yep, bit. I know what you mean. But yeah, like you were saying earlier, the the words, the his vocals are so, I'm going to say the word haunting to you because I like using the <laughs> word haunting yeah, to we describe both um, a vibe. It's, it's, um, it's just very reflective, you know, like he, yeah. he's always just kind of, it seems like he's just soaking in whatever environment that is surrounding him and he just describes it so beautifully, dude. Well, here's what he has to say about this song. He says, the chords had this kind of expectant feel or something, like an ominous quality. Now, that's a good one. I'm going to steal that. Ominous. Hey, ominous, ominous is better than haunting sometimes. Haunting, totally. Like an ominous quality that's never really resolving. Mm. And I think that kind of led me to want to write about imagining someone speaking to somebody who is courting danger. Yeah. Some of the lyrics in the song come from talking to a friend of mine who is a climate scientist and just her perspective on how screwed we are or aren't. Oh, man. Just thinking about that whole issue hinges on particulate matter in air that is invisible. Interesting. <sighs> Quiet air, dude. Quiet air might terrify you. Oof, ominous. Quiet now, though soon enough, louder. Oof. Mm. Come on. Come on with it, Pac Pecknell. Come <laughs> on with it. Um, it is so, so ominous. Yeah. All right, let's play the second half, dude. And Yes. This part gets me, man. This, I think this is the climax of the record, dude. If you weren't gotten, you're about to get got. About to get got. All right, so I guess we could say this is uh, Gioia by Fleet Foxes. got got 
<laughs> you've been um, you've been pecknold, Q. <laughs> so um, he says here, the ending is this more ecstatic thing. Just imagining some weird pagan dance, like Rite of Spring or something, where it just kind of builds into this weird kind of joy, like dancing while the world burns. There you go. Yeah, and those, uh, dude, I love the the back and forth chorus there, you know, the, oh, devil, walk by, I never want to die. Yeah. That That is on brand for Pecknold Men. I feel like you could put devil walk by into any of those poppy folk songs from the 2010s and you've got yourself a, a hit. I mean, you're talking um, about like of, of Monsters and Men or something? Whatever the hell those guys are called. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is ironic because I love Fleet Foxes and, and when he does it, I'm like, oh, he's a, such a fucking genius. You know? <laughs> um, but anyway. Yeah, so... But dude, that line, feeling a cold unfolding hand on me. Yeah. Is he talking like Grim Reaper here? So basically what he's saying is like, essentially like accepting the fate of the planet in a way and just dancing while the world burns kind of thing. Yeah. And that's, that's another thing too about, about the, uh, you know, the circumstances that we all find ourselves in, in 2020, you know, that was the thing that Pecknold said about wanting to collaborate with as many people that he could. Cause he says here, I didn't know what was going to happen in the future. So I asked everyone that I had always admired because I don't know if I'll get a chance to again. Go all out because who knows what the future holds. Yeah, that's that's cool. And um, we're not going to play this song, but some stuff that I learned about this record that I thought was really cool was like three tracks later, Cradling Mother, Cradling Woman, he sort of samples in a count-in from Brian Wilson, a.k.a. the Beach Boys, right? And it's in the track and that, 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 you know, this record has a lot of these, um, homages and, um, hat tips to, to his influences, right? Like you were talking about with the, the song where he just explicitly names them out, you know, with Sunblind. Yeah. And also with, uh, another song, young man's game is kind of a, a tribute to John Prine. Yeah. Yeah. And, and as far as like really cool collaborations, he also featured, so you know, the very first voice that you hear on the record is a woman. Her name is, oh God, U- Uwadi Akir. Fuck, man. That's pretty good. Uh, <laughs> she is a fellow Columbia student uh, who caught Pecknold's attention with an Instagram video where she covers Mykonos. Love it. So he just reached out to her and said, hey, you want to you sing on my next album? Love it. So that's this is another thing that I love, man, because I feel like the best days of Pecknold songs are ahead of us. You know, like, I don't know. I, can, I kind of felt he was more of a control freak, kind of like my way or the highway kind of person mm-hmm. with Fleet Fox's songs, just because from what I've read about him, you know, he, he is a... A perfectionist and you know because he is so harsh on himself i just kind of assume that and maybe he was earlier on but this to me just shows that that you know we're just going to have more and more of these really great collaborations you know even if fleet foxes dissolves and we just have robin pecknold as a solo musician you know later on in life you know i feel like he's just going to continue to just pull in people that influence him, even if it's just some random person on Instagram and, and collaborate with him. I think it's so cool. Yeah. I think 
the thing that I've always gotten from Pecknold and the music that he makes is like he is just an artist and a musician like to his core, you know. Yeah. Which is why, to your point, like I think we're gonna have new Pecknold tunes to enjoy for a very long time, whether or not that's in the form of Fleet Foxes or just him by himself. Like this is what he he does, you know. I've got one more quote here, Q. This is how we can wrap this up beautifully here. He says, I wanted the album to exist in a liminal space outside of time, inhabiting both the future and the past, accessing something spiritual or personal that is untouchable by whatever the state of the world may be at a given moment, whatever our season. Nice. That's great, man. Beautiful. Um, So yeah, this is... Yeah, kind of like we were saying earlier, this is such a this record just feels like it is a a gift to humanity, you know. Um, and that could sound ridiculous to people that just don't like this music, you know, and and think that um, you know, big deal. What's the what's all the fuss about here? But I mean, dude, we we were so we were giddy, like you know, children on Christmas morning when when this album hit. Well, we had to wait you know, six years, um, to, to, for the last one. So yeah, you just don't know when, when new Fleet Fox's music is going to drop because of the last gap that we had in between their records. So the fact that we, we, you know, I think if we were paying attention, we probably would have heard, um, rumors about new material or something like that. But I personally had been just completely uh, disconnected from any updates from them. So I didn't have any clue that new music was written. It was recorded. So yeah, it really was out of the blue for me. And it was like, wait, this is actually, cause you know, sometimes Spotify will like have two different artists. If they have the same name will be on there. And I'm like, is this really a fleet foxes album? And then you push play <laughs> on the first track and it's not him singing. And you're like, is this really what we're right. And then you get to the next one and there's his unmistakable, angelic voice you know oh yeah oh yeah so yeah it was great um but yeah like we were saying earlier we highly recommend as we typically do that you spend some time with this record it's only going to take an hour to listen to the whole thing but it is a a journey that you should take with pecknold um and all the other musicians that showed up on this record that's kind of what's great about it it's super collaborative uh, there's got to be a more definitive list or maybe this is a definitive list but if you look at wikipedia i mean there are 10 plus artists on this record um so he collaborated with a lot of studio musicians people from instagram apparently you know um fellow hundreds of people from instagram yeah amazing so anyway um yeah i think that was i think that was it that was our look at fleet fox's brand new record sure hot off the presses came out <laughs> not even a month ago so go check that out and um yeah um oh we're gonna do we're gonna do a sidetrack it's probably kind of obscure but if you're a fan of fleet foxes you may be familiar with a group i don't think they're around anymore but they are called poor moon and it is comprised of a couple of former fleet foxes like i don't know if they're still in the group but it is composed of a couple of guys that used to be in Fleet Foxes. Uh, it's kind of a side project of theirs. That'll be our sidetrack next week. Group called Poor Moon. But Q, we got something to do here. Yeah, we do. We got our we got our weekly segment called What You Heard. Um, and 
I know that you typically have doozies, don't you? Oh, I got one for you, man. Lined up and ready to go. Why don't you go first? <laughs> You're always just going on the fly, huh? No, I've got one. I just have to remember what it was. <laughs> All right, so this guy is named Jesse Cavell, and and he's in a few different bands, but he's he just started releasing some solo stuff. Have you heard of a band called Kisses? No. Spelled like you think it's spelled, yeah. Yep, yep. It's a, a new wave pop rock duo new from Los wave. Angeles. Gee, we've been talking a lot about new wave with our our Ferris, I mean, our Hughes tunes. Um, with our Hughes tunes. So you're saying the new wave is still happening, kid. Is that what you're saying? I am saying it. But here's the deal. I heard a new single from this guy. I'm going to say it's not really new wave, dude, but it's really great. It's it's just a happy sounding tune. You know, it's something that we need right now in these trying times. So this song he released just a couple weeks back. This song is called Northside. I can't place my finger on who that reminds me of, but it reminds me of a particular song. I just can't. But something about his voice and like drum beat was really cool. Yeah, drum electronic beat there. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah. Uh, He says here, this song is a love letter to a time when music was brand new and limitless in my mind. So Northside is about this uh, neighborhood that he grew up in. Said as a kid, my brother and I would walk from our high school to Barnes Noble and spend hours reading Q N M E, Mojo, and all of the other British music magazines. Our favorite group was Oasis, and we just wanted to be the Gallaghers. This song also nods to the Smashing Pumpkins, mm. Primal Scream, and Polaris. Okay, hey, there it is. Who I who I also deeply connected with at the time. Dude, I love it. So he must be around our age, man. Yeah, we need to do an episode on Polaris, like we've been talking about. Oh, for sure. Um, awesome. Yeah. 
really good tune. So, and you said that's a that's a brand new track, right? Came out a couple weeks ago. Okay. So there will be more coming from from this guy down down the pipes here. Down the pipes. <laughs> All right, man. So what you what you been hearing lately, brother? This is going to be an episode filled with new music here. Or at least music that came out in 2020. Awesome. This isn't as fresh as Shore and the track he just played. But it did come out in January, January 31st. But anyway, this is a guy I've actually been, I've been listening to him for a, a long time. And, um, you know, I find, I find that it's my duty, Q. To, to play electronic music as often as I can. Nothing but electronic music from you for a couple of weeks now. It's true. So this guy, his name is Proswell, as in Roswell, but with a P in front. Proswell. Mm. And I would describe him as IDM and... Get ready for it, Q. I'm ready. Hypnagogic pop. pop. Yep. Um, but more hypnagogic... Um, Electronic. So, you know, it's not like Comtrues or Tycho. It's more like, I would say, video game inspired, if you will. Okay. But early video games. Um, but anyway, we're just going to listen to it because it's hard to describe uh, the sound without just, just listening to it. So uh, we're going to listen to a track off of his latest record called Amaterasu. Which is the name of the goddess of the sun and universe. Mm. Just Lovely. if you're curious. So this song is called Usanpo. Thank you. 
man. That was great. Lots of stuff happening in that. Yeah. So that, I mean, he's been, been very consistent. Like, uh, one of the records that I listened to quite a bit, um, is a record called, or at least the first time I heard of this guy, this record called Konami, which, you know, if you know what Konami is, that's, um, that's a video game company. It's an arcade game company, right? I think I had some of that last night. Um, you had some Konami last night? Yeah, it was really good. Mm, yeah. So uh, so here's what that was for me. It felt like a combination of Lossal and Kiln. I can definitely see the Kiln um, comparison as far as like all the... the lush yeah. textures. Yeah. Yeah, but it had more of that like uh, industrial kind of more cold feel that Lossal has, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So here's, here's a little description on the Bandcamp page that I think describes it pretty well. It says here, there's a definite Asian influence here with throwback sounds to video games aplenty, riffs and melodies that rival some of the best Japanese soundtracks out there. Some of the beats and blips couldn't have been executed better, even if Proswell decided to address the Yamaha YM2612 sound chip found in the Sega Mega Drive directly himself. Nice. There you go. So that is exactly what hypnagogic um, music is all about, right? Like using old equipment to make the sounds from, you know, the past, right? Yeah. Cool. Um, and uh, anyway, so yeah, the, the the entire record is like that. It's, it's, a, uh, it's just a great record, man. And... Uh, Oh, Marty, you know. <laughs> Maybe next week I'll try to bring some rock to the table just to uh, to get back. Hey, man, it. it's it's whatever you've been hurting. You know, that's true. This is what I've been hurting. That's, <laughs> that is that is accurate. The segment is accurate. All right. So, where can you find us, Q? I'll do it because you don't like doing it. I appreciate it. Well, you can find us on our website, nofillerpodcast.com, where you can find all of our previous shows. Um, <laughs> I don't remember what my usual line is for this. Let me let me try it again. You can find all of our previous episodes with a show notes page for each episode where we have all of our track lists. So any song that you heard on this episode will show up on that track list. So that's intro songs, outro songs, the two what you heard songs. But um, if you want to be even cooler... You can subscribe, and by subscribe, I mean follow, I think is the term they use. The What You Heard playlist that we have, good luck spelling it, but you can also just search for No Filler Podcast, and I think it should come up in Spotify. But um, every week we add the two tracks that we talked about from our What You Heard segment. Uh, so yeah, it's a random-ass collection of music, as you can tell just by the two tracks that we played today. You know, But if you like one of the songs that we played and you just wanted to kind of remind yourself like, what was I called again? I heard a track on no filler a few weeks back and I forgot what it was. Go to that playlist and you'll find it on there. Um, it's an order from, you know, the newest to the oldest. There's over six hours of music on that, on that playlist. So a lot of good tunes, um, on there. So here's what I just decided I'm going to do because we, you know, shot ourselves in the foot with, with what you heard and, you know, how do you spell it? I'm going to link to this playlist on our Twitter and I'll just pin it to the top of the of our homepage. It'll always be up there. Now we're using Twitter. So, yeah. So, hey, if you want to easily access our What You Heard playlist, 
you got to visit us on Twitter because we are lacking in the social meds department. We could use some help from our listeners. So interact with us on Twitter. We're really good about responding. You know, any love that we get on Twitter, we get super giddy about. No joke. So our Twitter handle, handle <laughs> our Twitter handle is at nofillerpodcast. Um, and yeah, we're trying to be a little more active on there. So yeah, I'll go ahead and pin that to the top of our Twitter account. Um, yeah, so again, that's at nofillerpodcast. Where else can you find us, Trev? Well, you can also find us on the Pantheon Podcast Network. That's pantheonpodcasts.com. That is the home of plenty of great music podcasts, including ours. And um, yeah, go to that website and just take a look at all the all the shows that we have under our umbrella. It's pretty cool. There's, there's a podcast for everyone, I think. Uh, if you like ours, you're bound to find at least one, maybe even two possibly three other shows that you might want to subscribe to and listen to. So that's pantheonpodcast.com. And uh, yeah, that's going to do it for us this week. And we will be back at you next week for the first sidetrack in months. So I'm kind of excited about a, a proper sidetrack episode. Yeah, it'll be fun. And I haven't listened to any of this stuff, so it'll, it'll be cool. It'll be fun. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. So we'll see you guys next week. My name is Travis. And my name's Quentin. Later. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.